Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Christine begin our new series, In the Beginning, where we explore the foundations of the world from the book of Genesis chapters 1 through 4. We hope that as you join us on this study, you will rediscover your awe and love for our almighty and everlasting god hi church as you can see we have started a brand new series called in the beginning and if you're wondering what it's like as if the phrase wasn't enough in the beginning is really um, a series where we're going to be going back to the foundation of it all the very beginning you know um before time even began um in a sense that you know we didn't even know what happened back then but the book of genesis gives us um a sneak peek into what it looked like um as god created the earth and basically the series is going to be all about us remembering that a good god created a good world and had good plans for the world and it's not just about then but we're going to be looking at how the same god he hasn't changed the world has changed um the world has actually deteriorated in so many ways humanity has become depraved uh, more more ever more than ever before and yet god hasn't changed he is still good he still has good plans for this world and he's still working so that's what this series is going to be about um and i believe that it will get us back to the god of the bible so often uh, we get caught up in our own lives that we forget that there's a god who's holding everything in his hands and he has a plan he has a purpose for us and so this series is going to bring us back to the fact that this god still loves us he still desires to see us thrive and and you know take dominion on the earth that is still his plan that hasn't changed and so as we get into this series i believe god is going to do something afresh in us he's going to open our eyes to things we haven't seen before and that's the hope today i'm going to be looking at how in the beginning god created as you look at this image on the screen uh this was something that i found on pinterest and i just liked it you know the the creative in me liked it because it just looks so nice the the depiction of six days of creation and it's basically showing us how uh, god what god created on each of each of the days of creation now we know the whole story in fact when you join a bible study you join a, an alpha group you join sunday school the first story you hear about the first um, reference to the bible is the creation story from genesis chapter 1 So we already know this. So I'm just going to be reading something a little different today. I'm not going to be looking at Genesis 1 and 2 although we we that will be the baseline passage. We're going to be looking at Job 30 38. Job chapter 38 is where God finally speaks to Job and to his friends and this is what God says. It almost like is like you know God showing up Job. This is what he says verses 4 to 11. He says, "Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation?" Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it on what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb when i made the cloud its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness when i fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place when i said this far you may come and no further here is where your proud waves halt continuing from verses 12 to 21 it says have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it the earth takes shape like clay under a seal 
Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Genesis 1 doesn't do justice to creation from the words, from the very mouth of God. This is God telling Job, you've spoken so much about me, you and your friends, but were you there when I created the earth? Do you know my plans for the earth? Do you know how I work, the intricate work of my hands? We don't. And when you read this, it kind of gives you a glimpse and it doesn't stop there. 38 to 40, he goes on speaking. God speaks a lot. He, he explains how he cares for every animal. He, he explains how he cares for the birthing process of animals, how he provides food, how he controls the huge, um, you know, it, we don't know whether he's talking about the dinosaur or a dragon or what creature, but the Leviathan and the behemoth. He's addressing the largest of land creatures and says, I control these guys. They play with me. I keep them on a hook. It's like God saying, you have no idea. You know, maybe one millionth of what he knows. And today, as we just look at this God, the creator, you know, and, and see how he created back then. I just have a few facts from Genesis chapter one that I want to leave with you before we actually get into the text for today. Interesting facts about God and how he created. God created just by the word of his mouth. If you look at Genesis chapter one, verses three and six and nine, it says this, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And there was sky. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. Just a word. It doesn't talk about him actually cumulatively doing anything else. By a word, creation happened. Second thing is God created from absolutely nothing. Today, anything we create, we create imitations from what we've already seen, but God created from nothing. Looking at Genesis chapter one, verse two, it says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Nothing. Darkness, formless, empty. Third thing is that all that God created was good. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. All that he had created from day one till day six, he thought it was good. So everything he created was good. And finally, God created with a purpose. When you look at Genesis 1 and 2, you wonder what the purpose could be. As, as a little child, when people said God created us to worship him, the picture I had of this God was, what a narcissist. Why would he create me just to worship him? That sounds so weird, right? But as I have grown as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, the more you study the scripture, the more you are around those who have walked this journey longer, you realize that God created us purely for his pleasure. Isn't that amazing? Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 
says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. All things past, present and future have been created, have been created, are being created for His pleasure. You and I created for His pleasure. Adam and Eve created for His pleasure. So the significance of the human race amongst all of the creation that God had the pleasure of creating, there was something distinctly different about humans. Now you, you've probably figured that out about yourself. You are so much more intelligent than an animal. You are so much more intuitive than an animal or a bird. As much as they make great pets, they aren't capable of making the decisions and the choices that we make. They aren't capable of, of taking certain decisions and, and moving down certain parts of life the way we can. So God set us apart. He first of all created us in his image and likeness. And if we had to unpack that, I don't know how long we would be here. Let's remember this. We are imago Deo. We are created in the image of God. Every one of us, every one of us, flaws that we look at as flaws, in his eyes, we are still his image bearers. We are created in his likeness. The second thing is only humans amongst all of the creation that was done at the hands of God, only humans were given dominion. He blessed the animals and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. He, he gave the heavenly bodies purposes. He says, you guys are going to mark seasons and times. But it was to humans that he said, be fruitful, multiply and subdue all the earth. You have dominion. He gave us authority even then. There was an innate ask over our lives to subdue the things on the earth beneath us. I love that um, scientists today, many scientists who used to be atheists have come around and said, you know what, all of that which we study without a divine being having created it, there's no possibility. More and more scientists are coming around to the possibility and the fact that it was a true God who created all of this. Many of them believe that our triune God was invested and involved in our creation. I love what Francis Collins said. He was the director of the Human Genome Project. He is a prominent scientist in the United States. And after he and his whole team had sequenced the human DNA, this is what he said. He said, we now have a glimpse of our instruction book, which was previously only known to God. Today, we can't divorce science from theology. In fact, I believe science is derived. There's a part of, of which it, it derives from theology. Why do I say that? Because when you study science, I've studied biotechnology, and the more I used to sit in the lab with my microscope, having slides and watching cells and you know, seeing the evolution of diseases and, and watching what it was doing to people and studying it at a microscopic level, I realized this, that there was a God above who had done this. This was not possible without the hand of God. The more I studied science, the more I realized that God had, you know, in his sovereignty, had really gone all out um, in his creation. The problem with this now, we know that this, you know, those of us who know the Lord know for a fact that he created the earth. All around us, you see trees, you see flowers, you see animals, and you're in awe of God. Yes, but there are problems that come up with our understanding because our understanding is so finite. An infinite God 
um we really cannot figure him out but our understanding is so finite and in that finite understanding we are so flawed in the way we perceive certain things so one of the ma- ma- major problems we have or an obstacle i should say to actually revering this creator god and to really um you know have a relationship with him the primary obstacle i see is the tendency to worship the created over the creator Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 1 verse 25 he says they exchanged the truth about god for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised and he's talking about it from the context uh, when he was addressing the romans he was saying that there was a uh, homosexuality which was rife there was so much of idolatry that he was watching all around and he was saying people were starting to worship things that were actually created by god they'd forgotten the creator the one who had brought everything into existence and we are no different we may not be serving idols made of stone or wood we serve idols made of flesh and bone we worship people who we think are our everything it could be a best friend it could be a spouse it could be a better half it could be a partner it could be a friend it could be a child who you think should look after you our idols are many but it comes down to this will i worship the created or will i choose to worship the creator interestingly when i began preparing the sermon you know when you type in the beginning because of autocorrect it becomes i am the beginning and that is our fundamental problem humanity we think we are the beginning and the end of the universe my life begins and ends with me but as we go through this series we'll realize that the world is bigger than ourselves we talk about oh you know this is me this is my world truthfully it's god's world we occupy you know little specks here and there and yet we are so valuable to him but maybe it's time we move from imagining that everything is about us and start saying lord you have placed me in this world for something it's i'm not everything there are bigger things to accomplish bigger things to see what role do i play in it am i worshiping the created rather than the creator that's the first problem that um i believe we have and it's important to address the idolatries in our life there's so many idols that our heart just you know conjures sometimes it could be just a person it could be things it could be money it's time to address the idols the second problem that often times prevents us from actually you know leaning into our creator god um i believe is a tendency to elevate ourselves to creator status like i said a few minutes back the creator in me liked that picture on pinterest right it's very important that we remove ourselves from the noun version of that word the minute i say i am a creative on some level i have elevated my status i'm saying i'm a creator it's so easy because in your linkedin profile you might just write you're a content creator you're you're someone who creates images if you're a graphic designer you're someone who creates data if you're a data analyst whatever it is we on so many levels tend to elevate ourselves to create a status if you watch people when they announce the birth of their baby they write these notes to each other saying can you believe we created this perfect little human being and it always makes me laugh because um every time i had my children i just realized that i had nothing to do with this child this child was you know uh, just literally carved and and shaped by an amazing god it had nothing to do with me i was just the carrier sometimes we we call ourselves certain things 
And if you look at our labels that we have put on ourselves in the name of being self-aware and loving ourselves unconsciously or consciously, we have moved ourselves to a label of creator. But it's important to come to this place of saying, I actually am nothing without the creator. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So even the content I create, when I close my eyes in death, I take nothing. I go hands-free. I don't take my iPad. I don't take my drive with me. I cannot show my accolades to God and say, get me. And I've done all this for you. I've written all these, um, you know, blogs and things. My books will not have value. Ultimately, I brought nothing in. Naked we come and naked we depart. That's the story of our lives. So it's so important that we don't elevate ourselves to this creator status because there is only one creator from whom all our creativity stems. It's so important because that keeps us humble throughout our lives. I was recently talking to a friend of ours and he was telling me about his dad who had pioneered um, you know, craft ministry for almost 40 years. He's been a pioneer. He's done it. The, he's done the hard yards alone. A lot of us are just walking in that shadow that he has cast. And I just realized that he was so conscious of the one who had given him his ability. He knew who he was in service to. And so that has kept him humble and on track for the past 40 years. And as I was listening to a story, I was just thinking to myself, that is goals for sure. Wherein you know who you are. God, I am someone who is creative. I have moved my label from the noun creative to a verb or an adjective. I tend to be creative now and then because the creator is the one. He is the one who breathed everything into existence and it is from him that I derive any and all creativity from. Now, how does that apply to you and me today? You're saying, that's great, Christine. We know the Genesis 1 story. We know that we were created. I have some questions about it. I mean, was it uh, six days of 24 hours each or was it six days of, you know, millennia? We don't know the time. There's so many things we don't know. All of that aside, what are we looking at today? We are looking at how the God who created then is still at work creating now. And when I say creating, I'm not just talking about physical creation of babies and, you know, inc increasing our populations and increasing our wildlife and all of that. Yes, he's creating all of that. But he is doing something through Christ, his son, who we have accepted to be ourselves. When we accept Jesus, God begins to do a work of recreation in our lives. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 45 says, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is bringing about new life in each one of us who have decided to call on Jesus, who have decided that Jesus is God. So if you are one such person, you say, you know what, he's my savior, he's my Lord, he's my master then you and I have access to being recreated. And I'm sure you already know this. We know these principles. We know it. It's, it's almost embedded into us that in Christ, we are a new creation. We know that. But you could ask me, but I know all of this. But you're saying he's a creator. What could he potentially be creating in me now? Outwardly, I'm wasting away. I'm not who I was in my 20s. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 70s. What could God possibly be doing in me now? 
I want to give you hope today because I believe God is creating three specific things in us today. He's doing specifically uh, three things in our lives. The first thing I believe is that he's creating a renewed people. The process of renewal is something that the Holy Spirit um, facilitates. He's the one who regenerates and renews. What is renewal though? I'm not talking about a license renewal. I'm not talking about renewal in that kind of a sense. I'm talking about renewal where something that was faded, jaded and old is being made brand new again and even better than before. So while you and I are aging as each second passes, our telomeres and our DNA are getting shorter and shorter, we're getting older. Right? We can't do the things we did back then. Children are getting older. Our children are growing right before our eyes. Parents are getting older. Time is moving on. We're moving older, getting older. But renewal is happening, mediated by the Holy Spirit in us. And what does that look like? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Very, very a common scripture that we have read. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Uh, amplified version gives it better to us. It says, if anyone is in Christ, grafted and joined to him by faith in him as savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Isn't that amazing? New things have come. Spiritual awakening brings a new life. Previous moral and spiritual conditions have passed away. And you're probably thinking, well, ideally that's what should have happened. It's not really happened. Not to worry. We are all a work in progress. But the beautiful thing is that this work in progress is ongoing. And it requires us to make room in our lives, to consciously on a daily basis tell the Holy Spirit, come in, renew me. How do you know that you're jaded and and exhausted, maybe you're tired from serving at church. Maybe you're exhausted with doing the things you feel called and purposed to do. Maybe you feel things that you were doing so well no longer need you in it. And you think my purpose is over, my life's purpose is done. I want to bring you back to this and say, renewal is an everyday process. It's a lifelong process. The Holy Spirit is not into touch-ups. He's not just gluing together the broken bits of our life. No, he goes deep. He reworks us from the inside out. How does gospel-shaped renewal actually look like? That's the question today. Because if the Holy Spirit is mediating this, if he's doing this deep work, things will begin to change. It's not just a behavior change. Something deep within you gets rewired. Deep-seated anger turns into self-control turns into patient endurance. Gossiping and slander turns into being able to listen more and talk less. Pursuing of wealth for your own gain, for your own improvement, changes into kingdom pursuits. Superficial relationships start beginning to change into deeper, more authentic relationships. Greed turns into generosity. Hoarding turns into kingdom-minded giving. Religious mindsets, you know, traditionalism changes into more freedom, a relational one, because now you have this freedom in Christ that you start to experience for yourself. Renewal will look different in all our lives, but it's ongoing and it's happening right now. As I speak, I'm being renewed. As you're listening, you're being renewed. It's so important to remember this, that God, the Spirit, is bringing about renewal in our lives. He is creating 
He's creating a renewed people. That's the first thing. The second thing I believe that God is creating today, he's creating life from dead things. Life from dead things. So on my balcony, I have two rose plants. And I don't know whether it's because of the intense heat for the past three months that these beautiful rose bushes just died. I have been watering them. I've been checking the, you know, moisture and the mud and all of that. I've been doing all of those things. But I couldn't save it from dying. And the entire two bushes just got hardy and they the petals fell off. And eventually there was no buds inside. And I used to look at it every morning and literally, you know, pray them into reviving. But nothing was happening. Out of the blue, we had a season of rain last month, if you would remember. And all of a sudden, one of the pots started having rosebuds blooming again, while the other stayed dead. And as I was watching this, I was thinking, you know, I can will these rose bushes into life, but I can't do a thing. I couldn't revive them. I couldn't restore them. I could do nothing. Only God can breathe upon a dead thing and bring it to life. So often as humanity, you know, our problem is we're trying to bring to life things that are not meant to be brought to life. We're pursuing an ex who God clearly told us to close the door on. We're pursuing a job that we knew was not good for us. We knew was actually detrimental to your family life and your health. We're pursuing people, things, money, careers, finances, that were actually what God had firmly closed the door on. And we're trying to revive and restore and breathe life upon it. We take scriptures like, you know, Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones and we're saying, oh, you know what? He spoke to dry bones. I need to revive this. If God has clearly said no, if God has clearly put a gravestone on something, leave it be. But there are some things that the enemy tried to destroy. There are some dreams that the enemy put a full stop to in your life. There are things which happen because of circumstances and you have to shelf it. And God is going to revive and restore those things. What does restoration mean? It means restoring something to its original state. Renewal was making it better, but restoring is bringing it back to life, to its original state. Romans 4 verse 17, we're talking about Abraham in this passage. It says, this is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. Abraham believed that he would have a son, even when he and his wife were past the age of childbearing. Why did he believe? Because innately he knew this God could bring the dead to life. Similarly, when it came to offering Isaac, the son he had waited for 25 years, God says somebody put him on an altar. I, I want a burnt offering. Abraham doesn't think. Why? Because again, he realized that this God could bring the dead to life. You see what it does? Believing that God can bring dead things to life is a powerful truth. It's, it's a very central part of our faith. What are some things that you thought died, but God wants to restore today? He's the God of restoration. There's a thought that goes around now and, um, you know, it's, it's a modern thought called manifestation. They say, you know, I'm manifesting um, a big mansion and I hope that I will get it. I'm manifesting success so that 2024 will be a successful one more so than this year. Can I just tell you that we cannot manifest our housefly 
even if we had the greatest concentration and the greatest positive um, thinking mind, because that's not something that is in us. That's not something that the Holy Spirit mediates. We cannot manifest anything into existence. Like I said, God created from nothing. We cannot. Then many would say, then what does it mean that, you know, death and life are on the power of the tongue? Well, that means that I could use my words to build someone up or tear them down. But I cannot create something from nothing with my words. I can speak in faith and declare the word over a situation. It is God who brings life into a dead situation. It is not me. It is not you. We don't have that power. It is God who can create out of the most dismal, broken surroundings. He can rebuild foundations. Maybe you gave up on having a child. Maybe you said, God, I'm past. I'm, I'm in my 40s. I can't have a child. He can resurrect your womb. Maybe you've been saying, I had this dream of starting this organization which fought against trafficking or fought against injustice, but I gave it up because my bank balance is empty. I have nothing. I have nothing to give. Maybe God is saying, I want you to dream again. Maybe you lost confidence after your marriage ended and you thought, you know what? I can't get a job. I can't go and stand in front of someone and speak. God is saying, I will give you confidence. I will take you into rooms of influence once more, but you have to dream again. It could be the ability to help people. Maybe you've just decided I can't help anyone. I can't even help myself. God is saying I can restore that desire. Maybe you just said I don't have the capacity to hold friendships. If anything, the pastor has told me that I'm, I'm useless at it. God is saying, I will pour my love into your heart so that you can be a good friend once more. It could be the smallest things. It doesn't have to be something, you know, huge. I have to start this multinational company. It doesn't have to be that big. Restoration begins in the small things. What are the small areas that you allowed to die in your life? You allowed that dream to die. You allowed that desire to completely be, be annihilated by the enemy. Only God can bring those things to life. So the second thing that I want you to remember is that he's creating life from the dead things in our life. The third thing is that he's creating opportunities for his glory to be displayed in our lives. Now, again, you may think, why should I have a life that displays his glory? Why does God want to show off through me? It comes back to the fact that he delights in you and me and that life happens to all of us. None of our lives look perfect. None of our lives have this straight road, you know, from, from glory to glory. No, all our lives are going through these ups and downs where we get hit by these unexpected circumstances, where we get jostled by the shocks and the uproars of life. And it is in those moments, if we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, that he redeems the hardest of situations. The beautiful thing about Having this creator God, you know, God, the Holy Spirit working in us, and he's a redeemer. What does that actually mean in our context today? He can redeem anything. He can redeem the most broken stories. He can redeem the most horrendous backstories in the pasts because that is our God, a redeemer. Romans 8, 28, we know this verse, we've learned it from the time we were children. It says, for we know in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. But this is what the Passion Translation says, and I just loved it and I want to share it with you. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, 
for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose for he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son this means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him having determined our destiny ahead of time he calls us to himself transfers his perfect righteousness to everyone he called and those who possess his perfect righteousness he co-glorified with his son his glory in us is seen when he redeems our stories each of us have a story right the problem with that story is that we develop triggers of past traumas you know when our story some part of it we meet somebody they say something it triggers an old trauma or maybe we have mental scripts we grew up with ways we pacified ourselves ways we dealt with life maybe we have patterns of behavior you know that we inherited from our parents the way they speak about certain people groups or or the way we were conditioned to think about certain uh, people and certain cultures maybe we have acquired certain traits over time because of life happening but the beautiful thing is that all of that when it is submitted and surrendered to god he can redeem it we are not lost causes our life is not a lost cause so if we allow him he can redeem the hardest stories he can redeem the most broken parts of our past the abuse he can redeem it the sickness he can redeem it the divorce he can redeem it the singleness he will redeem it all of it is redeemable because we serve a redeemer because we are in relationship with a creator god who can redeem anything nothing is too difficult for him so often because we don't understand things we tend to put god in this box we can't understand this so how would god understand it i want to encourage you today nothing is too difficult for him he can do more than we can ask or imagine because of that mighty work power at work in us that work that happened and in the grave that left an empty tomb because the savior had risen that power is at work today in us that power is what renews us that power is what restores us that power is what redeems us we are not lost causes our story isn't over till he says it's over it's not over and the beautiful thing is as believers in jesus our story carries on beyond the veil i was studying 1 corinthians chapter 13 to 15 and you just realize that we're going to have resurrection bodies that all the work we do on this side of the veil is going to carry us into eternity is going to be it is going to exist past the veil because god is going to renew the heavens and the earth what does that leave us with it leaves us with hope nothing you or i do goes unseen nothing you or i do is too insignificant even now as i speak he is working he's working all around us if you're in the middle of a seeming delay don't worry he's ordering things so that things move and work at the right time for you maybe you're saying i've been waiting for so long i've forgotten if god even sees i'm wondering if god has forgotten me and if he even sees me even though we are specks in this ginormous universe he cares about us in all of our entirety because he created us for his delight And so I want to ask you today even as I close in being in relationship with Jesus 
have you given room for the Holy Spirit to actually renew you? You know, uh, Paul often writes in the book of Colossians, he writes, taking off the old and putting on the new. He urges us to put on the new. It's almost like putting on a robe, taking off the old garments and putting on the new, which means if I'm dealing with old anger, addiction, I'm dealing with slander, I'm, I'm prone to slander and gossip, I need to take that off so that the Holy Spirit can help me put on the new, which is compassion and love and generosity. So how do we do this? How do I practically put take off the old and put on the new? It's very simple. In your everyday, make time for prayer, make time for contemplation. If you would sit, even if just 20 minutes, sit with the Lord, see old traits, old patterns, mindsets that are affecting your present and ask the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, to actually help you consciously take those old things off and to clothe you with the new creation life. I want to also ask you, if you have allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and resurrect parts of your life you thought were long gone, you had just given up hope, don't open doors that are meant to be closed, but ask Him, Lord, which parts of my life, the dead parts that you want to resurrect, show it to me. Because from death to life is the way our God works. He loves a good challenge. And finally, I want to ask you, if you have given Him room to redeem every part of your story, our stories, the abuse, the abandonment, the neglect, the sorrow, the grief, all of it is redeemable. We are not a lost cause. So even as we close, I want you to just ask you right now, if you would close your eyes and if you would ask God, Lord, I need you. I need you to renew me. I need you to restore parts of my life. I need you to redeem my story because right now I don't see it. I don't see how this story can be redeemed. Father, I just present every one of us before you. I thank you for what you are doing right now. We thank you that, Lord, you who created the heavens and the earth, you care about each one of us, like we're the only ones on the planet. And I just pray that, Lord, anyone who is dealing with a dead situation right now would bring that dead situation to you, Father, and you would breathe fresh life upon it according to your perfect will. I pray for those, Lord, who are living in an older paradigm, a paradigm of the past. Father, I pray that they would live a renewed paradigm. They would live in the newness that the Holy Spirit brings. Father, I pray for those who have closed off parts of their past to you, saying, I don't want to expose this. I can't deal with it. I pray that, Lord, they will bring it to you. Redeemer God, that you would redeem their story. They would see the redemption for themselves because we know that, Lord, you care for each one of us. I pray that as you begin this reworking in each of our lives, you've already been doing it, but as we get more aware of it, that we would cooperate with you, Father. We love you and we thank you. We commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Even as you get into this week, remember that the God who created back then He's the same God. He's still creating now. He has incredible plans for you and me. And as we carry this series on, that's our focus, that that God has not changed. The God of the Bible is real. He's working today. He's with you and me. So will you give him a chance? If you haven't uh, thus far given a chance, we would love to connect with you just to help you understand who this God is and what he can do for you and me. Have an amazing week. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and were blessed. 
If you liked what you heard and want to hear more messages from us, you could rate us and subscribe to our podcast channel. For more content from We Are Zion, or if you would like to get in touch with us, you can go to wearezion.in or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Most importantly, remember that whoever finds Jesus finds life.